Well, howdy, everybody. Howdy. Man, that sounds far too, far too country for this show or whatever it is. Uh, just a big hello to all the revelers out there. Uh, this is me, your old Canadian pal, Revelstoke Jim, back where I belong, sitting behind a microphone and saying words to whoever happens to come by and listen. I guess this is now the third iteration of Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content. But it, I know it doesn't sound exactly the same at the moment. Obviously, the theme wasn't there from the uh, the previous podcast, the uh, the radio show. Huh, the radio show. Uh, don't get me started. Anyway, whatever this is, the music that I've played today is just, it's there for the moment. It's there to move us along. But I wanted you to know that I am, of course, where I belong in Revelstoke, British Columbia, the coolest little town north of nowhere. I'm broadcasting to you from the Log Broadcasting Center at the cur- at the corner at the corner of First and Main Studio One B, the one with the big window and the green leather couch. I am so happy to uh, be back in my my long term home. Of broadcasting. This is just where I am. But tonight's, or today's, or this afternoon's listening is uh, not from here. I was lucky enough to get together with my good friend Brennan Store, writer, podcaster, bon vivant. Uh, wears a hat really well. You gotta, you gotta give that to somebody who can wear a hat really well. I'm always suspicious of people who cannot wear hats. It just seems odd. There's something wrong with their head, which means it's going to translate into being problems for me. If they got a problem with their head already, how am I ever going to connect with them? Anyway, uh, Brandon and I got together. He was in town, and we decided to go for coffee, but. Since we are both rather late-night creatures, there was only one place to go for coffee. Uh, That is the local Starbucks. So off we went. I make a joke in the recording that uh, we're not mentioning the name, but no, I'll mention uh, Revelstoke Starbucks right there on the Trans-Canada Highway as you zoom through town. It was basically the only place to go. Uh, We contemplated recording inside, but there was all sorts of music playing and machines humming, and I didn't want to have to deal with copyright issues and machinery, so we went outside and spoke on the patio. Little did I know that we would have to deal with trains. I figured there's not going to be much traffic. Cars are going to be almost non-existent at this time of night. Holy crap, there's a lot of trains in this recording. And you can you can sort of hear us speaking up and yelling over the trains. I decided not to try to cut them out because it just messed up the conversation far too much. And I didn't want to lose anything of the time that Brennan and I spent together. So uh, this is basically it. This is Revelstoke Jim and Brennan Store having a conversation about just life in general, creativity, Canada traveling, women, fast cars, good whiskey. I think we spoke about that. We spoke about coffee. We spoke about a lot of things. And I will try to be uh, having a few more of these conversations with other people 
here in Revelstoke very, very soon. Uh, keep checking the podcast feed. Uh, keep checking out Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content on Twitter. Uh, you know, you can find me all over social media. I'm revamping the webpage. I'm going to keep calling everything Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content because, after all, that's what I do. And then we'll just we'll find a way to slip the moose poops and the Revel Noirs and all that stuff under the banner of Revelstoke Jim's Canadian content. Does that sound okay to you? Works for me. Anyway, this is a conversation with Brennan Store from a couple of weeks ago. Back when it was, well, I guess it's still summer. It's not technically fall yet, but it was the late, I think in the last week of August. Just two guys outside. So I've already given you a uh, uh, a wonderful introduction. Oh, okay. In this conversation, right? Uh, I'll have said wonderful things about you. But Many this, lies. We've spoken on the radio, but it's only like at seven minutes of time. Yep. This is our first sort of just having a coffee. By the way, I won't name the coffee place. No. But there are other coffee places available in Revelstoke. Yes. This one, well, you can call me Ishmael, but... <laughs> it's the only one open. It's... Uh, well, that's it. Yeah, everything else downtown is closed. It is... Which is a drag. It is 10 to 9 on a uh, Tuesday evening. Revelstoke has gone to bed. And Yeah, and it's dark. Yeah. And there are there is some traffic, but I wanted to ask you, your book, why did you start writing it? Uh, my book, A Strange Little Place. Uh, available everywhere. Fine books are sold. I wanted you to do that because I did mention it at the beginning before we started, but I do like how you slip into that. Uh, yeah, so it comes so easy. Now. Into that uh, promotion mode, yes. as I do. So go ahead. Tell, how, uh, did, how did it start? So it started, the book started as um, almost like a family history project. It wasn't even a book to begin with. I used to tell, I, I lived above Bocce's, which was Vince's, which is, for those of you who don't know, that's a store over on, uh, I think it's um, Fourth? Fourth Street. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we ran that place for six years, just uh, I think one day shy of six years. And uh, I had some funny stuff happen. And now I, I didn't really believe in any of that kind of stuff, but you know, spooky stories are fun. They're great at parties. So I decided I would tell those stories at other parties uh, and or at parties. And uh, eventually I thought, ah, you know, I, I remember my mom telling me all these stories about the house they grew up in. She grew up in a house over on uh, uh, Second Robson. And so. I thought, well, I should record those as a family history project. And so I went to go talk to her, and no one remembered any stories. They were very few. So I thought, oh, Christ, okay. Uh, but then she connected me to some friends of hers who had their own stories. And after hearing a few, I kind of thought, oh, you know, I wonder if there's more here. And I, in summer 2011, I drove to Las Vegas from Victoria and blog the whole thing. Uh, let, me, let me just make a note here that we are actually sitting outside in Revelstoke because a train is going by. Yes. And I totally didn't even think about the trains. No. Oh, hang on. How much recording time do you have on here? Oh, I have lots of recording time. I'm just... Let the train tapes. I killed a man in Wyoming. 
can't hear this, right? <laughs> no. Oh, people eat this stuff up. This is, this is, you know, I would have to buy, they, I would have to buy this train effect online. <laughs> I would have to feed it in. Oh, man. I might, I might just... I might have to put in coyotes later, yeah. wolves. Well, you might something. not, depending. You know, I mean, hobos screaming. Well, well, oh, isn't that just a wonderful children of the night, what music they make. <laughs> Whenever we're doing a mic check for the podcast, Ian does yeah. this thing where he'll, you know, I'll get him to say something to his mic, and he always invents some heinous crime in a faraway land. Some of the shit he said, I could never, never play for the public, but it's brilliant. Um, I killed a man in Ringo just to watch his hair burn, you know, things like this. <laughs> I strangled a fitness instructor and elbowed him out. You know, I am going to run a gate on this. That's going to have to be some gate. But like I said, I don't know if I'll be able to totally get rid of the train sound. If you can, I want to know how. Yeah, no teach, kidding. Teach me. I had a computer fan once that was this bad. Oh yeah, and and that's when I started using the gate, right? And I could just wow, I could almost make it disappear. Where, where are the where are the maglev trains that we have been promised? I remember I was on a train in uh, going to New Orleans one time. Yeah, with this couple, Bill and Frank, and Frank was uh, Frank was an Calvin for Amtrak. And I asked him about that. I said, are we ever likely to see that in North America? He says, not, not, at least not in the USA. He said, there's no way in hell they'll spend that kind of money on a, on a train. There's no way. No. He said, we've, like, people have asked, we've talked about it, and I can guarantee you it won't ever happen. And, uh, and I know they, they've already cut the funding for Amtrak deals. Because they used to have, um, well, I took the train a couple times ticket included, if you've got a sleeper, your ticket included three hot meals in the dining car. And uh, now you get like a box airplane style meal. But they used to have a galley with a chef, but it was good food, you know, and uh, that has gone away to Dodo apparently. I have taken the, uh, I've taken, well, this is like 25 years ago now. I took the train a couple times between Prince George and... Uh, the lower mainland. Oh, okay. Uh, really nice. Nice meal, full. Oh, like, yeah. And I then when I was younger, I took the train from Vancouver to Seattle a couple times. Oh, yeah. Uh, had a sleep. Had like a, a little private car or yeah. like room and everything. But uh, oh, there goes the last of the diesel engine. No cabooses. No cabooses for us. No cabooses. I think I hear a train in my place in Victoria, and then I remember there are no trains on the island anymore. <laughs> There's no strip clubs now either. See, the last strip club. Someone just told me that the, the, the Fox was closed down. Yeah, there's there were no more. There's no more peelers on Vancouver Island at all. No. Oh wow. Yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, because there was the Monty, which was downtown, and that was closed. Yeah. Uh, and I ever, I, I went there a couple times, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, actually, totally one, research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a haunted strip. That's what it was, actually. <laughs> but uh, the first time I ever went was like, I want to say I was seven. 
because I ran into some people from Revelstoke. It was a, actually a girl I used to work with at the video store. She was there with her boyfriend, and she said, we're going to go to the Monty later. You guys should come and join us. We'll be there around next time. And the friend I was with didn't know it was a strip club, so he just said, yeah, sure. So we went, of course, at the yeah. bar. And, uh, I mean, that's not really my scene. I used to date a girl who worked at Stoker's here. She was a yep. uh, waitress. And I kind of got my fill of, yep. you know, I used to take her dinner and, you know, stick around for yep. beer. And I got my fill of, you know, that kind of thing there. But, um, anyway, so we went there and my friend sat stone-faced, stone-faced, because he was not happy about being in a strip bar. And I remember the stripper, uh, and the place was a dump, you know, the crack yeah. mirrors. and Well, they usually are. I that's mean, true, are yeah. they ever? Nice. I, mean, I know in the States they dress them up and they have the gentlemen's clubs. Right, yeah. You know, and just adding the word gentleman. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there is. They're, 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 that, they're kind of a stained oak trim yep. around uh, that mirror glass that has a bit of a gold tint to it. And yep. Formica, and it's just, I mean, that's what I remember. I mean, there used to be, like... Again, you mentioned the one here in town, but I mean, growing up in Vancouver, there was Number Five Orange Street, and, and what was that place? And oh, it was on just a couple blocks. The Cecil, and just there was tons. There used to be a place uh, just a block down from Granville, behind on oh, what's that? You know where the, the Irish Bar. Not the Heather, Doolin's, Doolin's Pub. Okay. So around the corner from Doolin's is on the corner of Granville, and I want to say not Davy, Nelson maybe. Granville and Nelson. Yeah. It's in, and then there's around the corner, like on the other side of the block, there was a strip bar there. One case there was, was a couple. There was like, a Cecil down just on at the end of Gravel, right near the bridge. There was the Cecil. There was okay. there was uh, the Drake. I mean, there was all. I mean, that was what pubs in Vancouver did. I yeah. Mean, and there's a, there's a new one uh, they've opened up, but I don't know. I, I've never. Well, I went in there when it was a restaurant, and it's been converted into. Yeah. But it's. It's apparently a strip bar, but I don't know if it's actually a strip bar or if it's like kind of like a burlesque yeah. kind of thing. I'm not sure. And the you know the rendezvous of Kamloops fame used to be down there. Oh yeah, I think that's long gone now. And, and the, when the hotels changed its name, uh, it was the Village down oh. uh, on Tronquille. Oh, it's it, a Duchess it, now, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. went. To, I was I was in the Duchess once. I was not in any but, uh, No, I mean the world changes. I mean I, that just doesn't seem. And you can dress them up and, and call them all sorts of fancy things. But back then it was, you know, there was working guys going in there buying just glasses of beer. And I mean, there weren't fancy drinks. I mean, it was just there to to serve. You know, they had those round tables that had the uh, like uh, had like a shag tablecloth that had elastic underneath it. And you know, they would <laughs> wash them and then put the new ones on every I mean. It's a it's a long gone time. There's a I'm pretty sure it's in Portland. They have some kind of rule where you have to be, if you're a bar, you have to serve food or there has to be some kind of. So there's like some strip bars where you can go get like they have a great lunch special, you yeah. know. So you can go and have a reasonably inex inexpensive hamburger while a you know a young woman works her way through college. <laughs> in 1980, I, I was in Toronto and I uh, I went to a I, it was something like that and right. was, you had to buy one drink. Oh yeah. And uh, so that's and fine. Were Twenty five dollars. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But it was you know I wanted a bottle of beer. Right. But it came out like a glass bottle that was close to two liters. Oh, it was like a big right Carlsberg or something like oh, that. God. And it was uh, it was a tough drink. Anyway, okay. Uh, noise aside, uh, strippers aside, you're going to write this family subject. history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to write the family history of, of the. Uh, I'll be I'll be less Brent on the radio and a little more human. 
Um, I get lapsed into that like interview mode. Eh? It's mm-hmm. so easy to do. But Not a um, that's sort of what we're doing. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> no, anyways, family history. Oh, right. So I went to Vegas to, to that's right. blog about the Mr. Olympia competition. Now, I never committed to a project of any length. I was always the kind of guy who would do something for a little bit, and then when it didn't immediately hit, I would get bored and move on. So this time I thought, no, I'm going to. I planned the trip, the, the, the Mr. Olympia trip. I learned everything about that contest. I learned every. I wrote profiles of the guys before I went down there. And I correctly predicted the top four because based on previous Your research, based on my research. So I drove down there, met a bunch of people, took pictures, blogged. The whole, I, I had pictures of each competition up before the major publications. I would just like go take pictures during the thing, rush out to the lobby, hook up to the hotel Wi-Fi, get all the pictures like hastily edited and online. So yeah, I had pictures of everything before the major publication. So I got a lot of like a lot of hits. It didn't do me any good, but I got the hits. That's all that matters. You won. Yeah. But, um, and then I drove back. And funny enough, before I went down, I entered a contest in Victoria called So You Think You Can Write. And it's hosted by the Times Colonist, the big newspaper there. Right. And uh, you, you enter a story to be, like, to be, just to get into the competition. So there are four people who were chosen. And I was in a truck stop in southeastern Nevada. Uh, I think it was a Love's something, getting a sandwich when I got a, a phone call and it was the Times colonist saying I had been chosen as one of the four finalists to be entered into the competition. So then I started getting my assignments. Well, I'm driving back from America. So I had to figure out, I had to like stop in truck stops and gas stations and work on my thing. And I'd be like riding, I'd be driving, you know, and, and talking into a tape recorder and trying to remember <laughs> stuff. And um, so anyways, yeah. So it, it, by the time I got home to Victoria, I had successfully carried off my first ever long-term, like something I had to commit to, and I saw it all the way through to the end. And um, then I was also writing because of this competition. I mean, most of the, the Olympia stuff after I got there, most of it was photo, was photos. Right. But on the way back, I was doing all this writing for the Times Columnist, and I didn't place. But um, my stories were good, but you know, they're dicks. But uh, it was fixed. It was fixed. <laughs> Okay. And, and what year was this? 2011. Okay, so this was, it was still America then. It wasn't America. No, yeah, it, it wasn't, yeah, quite, it wasn't, America wasn't yet. quite there yet. Yeah, okay. So, anyways, like, I got back home and um, yeah, I, I just kind of thought, you know, I, I felt like, okay, I, I, I accomplished this thing. Maybe I could do something longer. Maybe I could even write a book, you know? Like, it, again, I, I've always been, it's, I think, a little bit growing up in Revelstoke. I think you get a little bit of that tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, yeah. Know? Oh, de- yeah. I mean, I didn't grow up here. I mean, you come here and, and... There you go, yeah. And, you know, when we came here, I was full of piss and vinegar and... Uh, you know, oh, grind it out Well, I don't know if they, they ground it out of me, but it's like they take swipes at you to, like, with that tall poppy head is yeah. is sticking up. You know, you see that blade coming at you sometimes, yeah. and it's like, what the hell? You yeah. know, I mean, what the hell is going on? So, the, yeah, the idea of committing to something like a book seemed kind of crazy, because it's it's a, it's a lengthy project, and, and who, you know, who's, who cares what you have to say, and all right. that shit. And, I mean, I had zero idea how the publishing world worked, and that scared the shit out of me. Um, and this is a little bit further down the road, but when I finally decided to write the book, I could not at all entertain the idea of how I was going to publish it. Couldn't even think about it. Because if I did, I would seize up and not do anything. Because that's my thing, right? I try and solve every problem at once. Absolutely. And yeah. when I couldn't figure out that, you just the machine would grind to a halt. Yeah. So this time I thought, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm going to figure out how to write the thing. 
write the thing, and then I'll worry about selling it. But uh, yeah, so coming back from Olympia, that's sort of how I felt confident enough to maybe try something, was I'd done that trip, and then I got into that writing competition, and a lot of people entered. It wasn't like it was just you know four of us that applied. A couple hundred people entered, and I got chosen. Um, and this isn't relevant to the story of the book, but it's a fun story. I don't think I've ever told it on, like, recorded anywhere, but... After the contest was over, we all got to, they invited us to a dinner, all the finalists, to a dinner with the judges. And so it was at this bar in Victoria, this kind of hoity-toity bar, and I, you know, I ordered my food and whatever, and everyone's chatting, they're all very proper, and, and finally, after a while, I, I kind of said, well, guys, you know, this has been fun, I'm, I'm going to go to McDonald's and get a coffee and see what's happening over there. Right. And, and I, it wasn't me being intentionally like, peace, you losers, but I just thought, well, no, I'm, I'm done here, I'm going to go to McDonald's and watch people. But it never occurred to me that I was kissing off this year as a professor from UVic and a bunch of other people and <laughs> to go sit in McDonald's and watch homeless guys fight. A bunch of people with, in tweed with pipes. Yeah, you're not wrong. Okay. And then I found out that they were paying for the whole thing and I Jesus, I should have oh, ordered crap. Yeah. Right? I'll have two pizzas. <laughs> But it, it's... Bring me all your ham. It's amazing. Uh, I, I know what you're talking about when you say, you know, I don't want to think... If I thought about that part, I would stop. Yeah. Because I would have no idea where to go with it from yep. there. Exactly. And, I mean, that along with other things, I think... I think anybody who writes can find... Oh, it's all good. Uh, I know. Uh, anybody who writes can find reasons not to write. Sure. Because it's it's easier not to write. Yeah, that's it. I, I mean, I, I actually find at times it, it hurts to write. I, I, that's never been my experience, but I know sometimes it's hard to get started. Once I'm going, I'm the happiest yeah. guy alive. But before I actually start writing, it's like, oh, well, but you know, I gotta, I guess someone's gotta rinse out those cans. You know, I can't put them in the recycling bin all sticky. That's no good. And see, I, my problem is I get stuck on self-editing. Oh, there's that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas people, and then people say, well, just write it. And then, you know, that's just the first draft. And it's like, oh, that's not how my brain works. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, and I didn't realize how much of a grammar Nazi. I, I just, I... It's hard to use that word when they're actually out there again. You know? Yeah, really. <laughs> Uh, semicolons, you will not replace us. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, Blood no, in Times New Roman. I just, no, I, I didn't realize how much grammar was important to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because I, I, I don't want it to read like crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I understand run-on sentences. I understand commas and periods and everything else. But sometimes in my head, as I'm writing something, I don't want to. I don't want to just go back and put the punctuation punctuation in later. I want to do it now. Yeah. And so, so then sometimes I get stuck on something that's like, oh, okay, I got to find the right these two sentences. Yeah. They could be one sentence maybe, and there could be a you know there could yeah. be a semicolon in there somewhere. Yeah. And, and yeah, or, or or maybe this is more of a thought, so it deserves a dash. I mean, it's just goofy. Yeah. Goofy it's, crap. It's easy to get hung up. I mean, I think I mentioned to you yesterday. I started working on a fiction project in mm -hmm. uh, like in the early part of this year, and that's one of the things that's kind of kept me from that, and just not prioritizing it. Yeah. But just kept me from working on it as I'd get hung up on stuff like that. You know that. And I mean, yeah. Some, I, I would say it's not quite laziness because I don't, I don't have much spare time anymore. It's just that, yeah, no, I, I guess I don't prioritize it. Yeah. Thing. 
And you see, I found an appealing way for me to write was just to make, like with the moose poop stories, when I started doing those on air, yeah. I would make bullet notes and I would have them in front of me on a yellow pad. Oh yeah. And then I would just start telling the story. Right. And my brain would fill in the rest because A, I'm talking. Yeah. B, there's people listening. Yeah. And C, I have to, I have a certain amount of time I have to fill to make this story happen. Right. And I don't know if, if it's some like, you know, clouds part and the light comes down and shines on me and it's some sort of divine intervention that, a, you know, a story comes out. Right. But there'd be times when I'd be telling the story and I could hear inside my head, my brain going, well, how are we going to end this? <laughs> and then my brain would be skipping ahead, figuring out the ending while I'm still talking. Yeah. And I thought, that's just weird. But then it never happens when I sit down at a computer or a typewriter. I just, I don't find that great. And then, so I've tried dictating and it's the same, I don't know, it's it's like being running with the bulls. You have to do it or the bull is gonna run you over. Yeah. Me just going out and sitting somewhere and talking into a recorder, there's no peril, there's no consequence. Yeah. Yep. I, what's gonna happen if I, if, yeah, nothing. Yeah, oh I, no, there's nothing like live. If I've learned anything from the handful of times I've been on your show and the couple times we've done live Largely the Truth, right. it, there's nothing like live. The horror and terror and thrill of being li on live radio. Oh yeah, oh. I mean, you just, there's a whole part of your body that just wakes up and says, "Oh yeah, but anyway, that's what I I like this. This I feel that this is live. I mean, we're having a conversation. We're not. I don't know what you're going to say. You don't know what I'm going to say. Nope. We're sitting outside. There's trucks, trains, oh, and, God, and every fucking noise under God's creation. <laughs> and some that have not been. Okay, so let's just say. So how do you go from? So you you what you? Oh you, yeah. So we're fourth in this contest. Writing contest. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So right. Once it was over. Again, I didn't. I didn't win, but that didn't really. I. I didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't think I was going to win in the first place because. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm not going to. Uh, There's a little bit of you know. It, it's not the great. One of the things I've suffered from in my life is that I am not an easy narrator because yeah. you know I, I don't have a clear path to anything. You know, you ask, wait, how did Brennan end up here? Well, right. get comfortable. No, exactly. Um, and I remember years ago, I helped this uh, guy named Mo. He's a Pakistani immigrant I met. Uh, while I was volunteering at the campus radio station in Victoria, he we got chatting, and, and he was a political refugee. He he fled Pakistan, uh, fled police brutality, and he wanted to start an independent newspaper for immigrants. And so I hopped on board with him, and, and I got working, and um, we made some waves in Victoria, you know, because there had been nothing like that. And I remember we were I brought on a fellow I knew, a friend of mine who was a he wanted to be a photojournalist, and we needed a photographer. So I thought, oh shit, why not bring this guy in? So we were invited to an interview with. Uh, a black press publication, I can't remember which, but the um, the girl who, I should say girl, the woman who interviewed us, she, the journalist, she couldn't quite comprehend where I came in, because she saw the Pakistani journalist who'd been successful in Pakistan, yeah. the young photojournalism student who was looking for his big break, and who's this asshole in the middle, who's like, well, I was volunteering at a radio station, I met Mosin, now I do about 90% of the work um, also, here I am. And, and yeah. so when the story was written, I wasn't mentioned at all. And the photographs were, were Dan, the photographer, and Mosin. So, we, and, and, and this is not me being egotistical. Without me, that paper wouldn't have worked. But I was yeah. omitted from the article. And I wasn't bitter about it because I wasn't surprised. So that has always been kind of my, like, oh, who the fuck is this guy? 
And so for that contest, you know, the woman who, who won was a, she wrote, she writes correspondence for the government. And, you know, she's young, she was young and reasonably pretty, and she always wanted to be a writer and, and all this shit. Um, and there was a, like a grade school teacher who always would write in her passion. And I'm like, yeah, I was in a truck stop and someone called me. <laughs> I was having a sandwich. And then I drove, you know, this is not a compelling story. So, well, it's, it's interesting, but it's not what they're looking for. So I always, I was, and the things I wrote about were not, I think, again, to their liking. You know, because I, I, I do think some of the, I mean, some of the stories now reading back, I'm, I'm a little bit, you know, but some of them, I, I read the ones that won recently, actually, because I had to do some research for something. Yeah. And I thought, oh, come on, this is bullshit. But it's what they want to read. You know, it's this kind of Louisa May Alcott, you know, you know, his beautiful chest rippled in the gold light and <laughs> I will never be loved again, you know. Hang on, Louisa May Alcott, isn't she, isn't she Little House on the Prairie? No, she... No, that's Laura Angles Wilder. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Louis, okay. I think Louis, Louis, Louis Alcott is Little Women. Oh, hang on, let's just have... Another goddamn train? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. So back to strip cars. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about things that aren't... Uh, well, it's quieter going the other way. Yeah, it is, too. That's it weird. is. Uh, that's, um, no, I, I know what you're saying, because... It seems like, I mean, I've done a lot of different things in my life, and I don't know if you can really, I, I don't know if you can really trace a proper line yeah. to get to, yeah. from that would go to that. I mean, they're not stepping stones in any way. No. It's just all sorts of weird stuff that has taken place, and, and just where I am in my life, what I think about writing is... Uh, recently, I got. I was thinking, oh man, I'm, I'm. It's not that I'm getting old, but I'm getting older. Right. I'm getting to a point where uh, uh, I notice younger people looking at me like uh, he's like an old guy. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I, I just I find myself getting dismissed in, in, sure, in, yeah. in parts of society and, and and in the workforce. And I was thinking, okay. I'm getting to it, and plus I'm getting tired. I mean, back hurts, you know, yeah. parts, you know, I'm not going to do any heavy lifting. Dude, I, I can't lift my arm higher than this right now, I understand. I got to the point where I'm thinking, okay, I got to find, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? What can I always do for the rest of my life right. that I can do? And I thought, I can always write. And it just, it, for me, it got to the point where it's like, well, then that's what you should concentrate on. Right. You got your voice, and you got your imagination and you can write yep. so if if it gets to the point where you're you're not going to have your voice anymore even what about you can just write yeah and i thought okay nobody can stop me from doing that that's what roger ebert did yeah he literally lost his voice, voice. exactly and he wrote and his writing became so much better as he went yeah so i just i for my own personal thought i thought well then this is what I'll do for the rest of my life. Right. I will write. No, 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 right, no. right. Exactly. I will write. Okay, the train's going away. Oh, sweet. Slowly. Okay. And we're still doing good on time. I'm looking at this. We're only a half hour in. Oh, fuck it. You can always add it. Yeah. And I, and I said I was... You, you can make this a separate download, the train tape. <laughs> you can handle the constant din behind us. I think Woody Guthrie is is uh, public domain by now. Exactly. I'll just play him in the background, and this is uh, Brennan and I riding the rails. Yeah, everything is bad. <laughs> everything is fucked. <laughs> okay, so we get, let's just say, 
Right, yeah, so uh, right. Con- contest is over. Fuck that. Contest is over. And I was out for a walk with a friend of mine. We're tell- telling them the stories, spooky stories. <laughs> it's the, oh, uh, oh no, it's the it's the engine in the middle. I thought that was the engine at the sweet end. Sweet zombie, Jesus. Okay. Well, back to strip bars. You know, uh, uh, I should when I put this on iTunes, I should uh, I should sort of tag it with uh, for train lovers. You know, those train spotters <laughs> and everything, and and uh, maybe uh, maybe they can figure it out because the uh, the train museum has that has the. Uh, Live streaming cam on the web. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a, they got an east camera. They got a west camera. Right. And uh, there's a chat room attached to it. Right. So and they're very serious. Oh, of course. Oh, that's that's 726, and it's 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 made its way up from Philadelphia via the Atchison, Topeka kind of. Oh wow. Uh, they get very so uh, this winter when I found out about the the streaming cam. Uh, I went and visited the streaming cam and was Mr. Goofball in front of the streaming cam, <laughs> uh, writing writing messages in the snow. Oh, that's great. And dancing around a bit. And I had uh, our buddy, that fracking cat, watching. And uh, I got the ire of, of train spotters right away. Who the hell's that guy? What the hell's he think he doing? Oh, man. And meanwhile, the cat says, oh, that's Rebel Stoke Jim. And it's like, yeah, right. Who fucking cares? <laughs> yeah. Tell him to Rebel Stoke get his ass out of my way. My new, that's, hey, how did you, that's my new sticker. It's yeah. Rebel Stoke Jim. Who fucking cares? I can't beat off the trains with that guy there. <laughs> oh, please. That's just a horrible image. <laughs> oh, what man. are you doing in your room, Junior? I'm cleaning the tracks, Mom. Oh, <laughs> Microsoft Trains Simulator. <laughs> Man, I, speaking of, just when you said that, you know, they have a Microsoft Farm Simulator. Oh, yeah, I'm not surprised. A tractor simulator. You can, like, choose different tractors to drive. I bought American Truck Simulator. My wife makes fun of me constantly. You literally just, you never get out of the truck. You drive across country, you drop off your trailer, you drive back across country. <laughs> you listen to real radio stations on the internet. Wow. I know, exciting stuff. That, yeah, I, you know, I have to check out that kind of thing because I'm, I'm tired of little half-ass teenagers in some city somewhere shooting me as soon as I get into some online oh, yeah I don't even try a friend of mine bought uh, one of those Star Wars shoot I want to say Battlefront mm-hmm. and he put me online yeah and no those 15 year olds on, on Adderall they destroyed me <laughs> I spent like I don't know 15 minutes dying repeatedly and then I, I decided uh, no I'm gonna go have a life okay I'm gonna let people know what's happening the train has stopped because it's a long train so that means in the yard they're switching of course they have to stop so they switch the the track so the train can actually come all the way into town right and so what happens because i get stuck behind sometimes walking into town because i go across the railway tracks uh, i get stuck on this side of the tracks oh over behind the hotels there right uh, and you have to wait like 10 minutes by the time the train stops right they switch the tracks, it starts moving again, and then you can go across. Right. Just, th- again, if you're a hobo in Revelstoke, this <laughs> this is just things that you'll need to know. So, the, now, the, speaking of trains and unfortunate timing, um, I don't know if you saw this on Instagram, but um, 
Let's see here. I'm just scrolling back to my phone. This is very, very interesting for people who are listening. Um, so that train is moving. And oh. I am very close to it. Nice picture. When was that? Uh, that was July 9th. Oh, okay. I was in Vancouver with, visiting my cousin who's there uh, getting some medical treatment. And we went for a drive. We were driving through New Westminster quite late. And there was a train coming. And I thought, well, boy, I'm glad I'm not going to get stuck behind that. I was just about to cross the tracks, and all of a sudden, the flashes started going, the arms come down, in the middle of the fucking tracks. What do you do? So can't, can we go forward? Can we go back? Uh, so we start backing up <laughs> off the tracks, and then we think, ah, you know, maybe we'll back up a little bit, a little bit, uh, and we're feet, five feet from this moving freight train. You just feel the ground shaking, and some dildo behind me, he won't back up, so I can't get any further away. Uh, the ground shaking. This poor son of a bitch next to me has got, you know, this terrible illness, and I'm bringing him this much closer to death's bony hands. Oh, now a semi truck is going past. And this is not Microsoft Truck Simulator. And soon the marching band. That's right. It's like the end of Naked Gun when O.J. Simpson, or when uh, Ricardo Montalban's corpse is on the ground. <laughs> the steamroller, the marching band. And, you know, we came outside because it was you know, there's, there's a lot inside. of music yep. inside. There's machinery that makes coffee and stuff that makes a lot of noise. Uh, okay. So there we go. Let's let's go back to this. Oh, yeah. So anyways, I don't know. I am, right, books. Yeah, so I was telling my friend these spooky stories. Then we, the next couple of days later, we went for coffee, and I thought, you know what? I, so I think I'm going to try and write a book. And that's just how it started. And it went from, kind of grew from there. And I... I, I knew none of these, you know, I always tell people, I 95% of the stories in the book, I didn't know when I started. And neither did people here. You know, you, some of the people, and that's one of the cool things that's come from the book, is people learning shit about their hometown that they didn't know. Yeah. That makes me happy. If I can, if I can show you something about a thing you thought you knew and help you see it in a new light, that's a win for me. So, uh, so yeah. I mean, that's I, no, I, everybody I've talked to about it, uh, they've enjoyed it. It's, it's cool. been well received. Yeah, reviews on Amazon are good. The only review that pissed me off, and it was a, it was a mostly positive review, but it, there was this negative bit to it. It pissed me off. The only thing that could possibly annoy me, this woman said, well, he didn't do a very good job of getting the names right. You motherfucker. I put in the goddamn, it says in the book, some of the names have been changed because uh, people would not let me use their real fucking names. I know this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you understand. <laughs> yes, I understand. Yeah, your friend <laughs> understands. <laughs> well, this, uh, she's a lovely lady. You know, I shouldn't bitch. I shouldn't be mean. You know, Was she a local person? Oh, yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah, that's yeah. why. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So right. she knew. She, oh, uh, this, so, like, this house. I know the people who live in that house. That's not their names. No shit, man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and the, the publisher was really sticky about names. Yeah. If I couldn't get you a signed document with yeah. that person, the real person's name, yeah. I couldn't use it. And there was one guy, I desperately wanted to use his name. It was Larry Nellis. Oh, okay. And I, he was totally fine with me using it, but he still had to sign off. Well, he lives in Cave Creek, Arizona. I had to hire a courier. And he, you know, he's an older fellow. He doesn't yeah. really do the PDF deal. Right. So I had to hire a courier to go to his house, get him to sign the form, bring it back, and then fax it to me. So that's how I, that's the story of how I paid $50 to get <laughs> for, the, a signature. for a signature. 
Oh, well. I my, mean, my advance was a thousand. That's why I like fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just make up names. Oh, man. Well, I, Ian, who wrote uh, Victoria's Most Haunted, he didn't have to do any of that. Right. He, they, I, I don't know if... I guess maybe because in America, my publisher is American, people are more litigious. Could, could be. So, so the book gets written. Uh, people like it. So, how do you, how do we get to the ghost story guys? Well, okay. So the book came out. Uh, book. Um, book eventually got published. Actually, I shouldn't say eventually. A lot of people talk about how hard it is to publish a book. Right. That really wasn't my experience. Um, I, I sent the book to four publishers. Right. Two said no. One never responded. So just blindly yep. in a package with a cover letter. Yep. This is exactly. this is me. This is what I've written. Would you like to publish this? Yep. Are you interested? I, yeah. I looked up how to. Like I said, once it was done, or right. once I thought it was done, I went and looked up how all that this meant to work. Right. And so and what I did is, um, and I'll, I'll never stop singing the praises of this man, Jim Harold, of the Paranormal Podcast. Because without the Paranormal Podcast, the book wouldn't exist, and therefore the Ghost Story Guys wouldn't exist. Because what I did, he was the only Paranormal Podcast I knew, and so what I did is I went through the list of all his guests for the last couple of years. I looked at who published their books, and then I made a list of those. And yeah. then I made a, I went and checked all their websites to see a list of who took submissions, and who didn't require you to already have a marketing plan. Because I knew nothing about marketing. So that's how I found Llewellyn. And they were the only one that didn't require you to have some kind of marketing plan in place. So I sent it to, yeah, New Page Books. Uh, no, no, not New Page. Anyway, whatever, three publishers in BC. I tried to pitch it as like local folklore. And then Llewellyn down in Minneapolis. Right. And yeah, the two BC publishers said no. One didn't respond. And Llewellyn said yes. Assholes? Ah, I since learned that it's, it's really... Uh, it's really rare sure. to hear, like, because most stuff just goes in a slush pile, right? Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So I was, I wasn't expecting anything. And then there's actually a funny story about poetry in regard to this. Um, will I tell it here, real quick? Okay, oh, I'm gonna tell you the story. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I wrote this poem. But I don't write many poems. It's not really my thing. But I, I, I had this image in my head. It wasn't a story. It was a poem. So I wrote it. And then someone put me on a duo trope which is a website that lists all the different publications taking submissions right. and how you can, you know, what, what, the, what the requirements are. So I thought, well, I'm trying to get this thing published. And I thought, well, what's the hardest thing to get into? What's the hardest? It was a New Yorker. Right. So. <laughs> okay, that's the end of the train. Yes. There it goes. Oh, Last God. engine. The one person who's willing to listen to this whole thing love this. Uh, semi truck just pulled up. God almighty. And he's just parking behind me. Of course. Okay. But, um, so yeah, so I wrote this thing and I thought, well, what the hell, I'll send it to the hardest, the hardest to get in one. Thinking, well, I'll never get it, but maybe, just maybe. And I got this lovely rejection letter from them. Uh, very nice, you know, it said, we like, I really enjoyed this actually and, and I would love to see more work from you in the future. Right. It's just not right for us. Right. And I thought, oh, that's really nice of them. So yeah. I, I thought, well, you know, but I filed it away because it's a rejection letter. Sure. Well, cut to 2016. I'm in a car in New York City with some people, including a, a fellow who went to the Boston University Master's Fiction Program and a woman who went to the Iowa Poetry Program. And I, I somehow the subject of submissions comes up. And I'm, oh, yeah, no, I remember I got a lovely, lovely... Uh, uh, rejection letter from you know from the New Yorker and they said I'm sorry they said yeah 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 um, 
Yeah, no, they was really nice. They complimented the poem. They said they'd like to see more from me in the future, but, you know, they couldn't use it. They said, no, that's not right. They don't do that. So what do you mean they don't do that? They're like, no, they, you don't get rejection letters, you, especially personalizers. You just don't hear from them. I said, well, no, I could hear. And I showed them the email. And they, they screamed. Because I guess it, it was from a guy named Paul Muldoon, okay. who's apparently a f- pretty famous poet and oh. is the editor of the poetry section said. of The New Yorker. Okay. And this was Paul Muldoon saying, I liked your work. I'd love to see more from him. Right. And they said, did you ever write back? I said, no. I just thought it was a rejection letter. Did you ever write more poems? Uh, no, not really. Okay. No, one more. One okay. more I wrote. But, uh, but yeah, so anyways, I, I clueless <laughs> on the ways of the world. So Paul Muldoon's thinking, well, you know, because it's a big deal. And this guy's like, oh, this asshole didn't write back. Well... Fuck you, that you know, whatever. You know. But uh, anyway, so, so <laughs> I'm young man, I really enjoyed your mathematical equations, but can't use it right now. I'd love to hear more from you, Albert Einstein. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Story of my life. I've never been able to publish that poem. Never. I've sent no. it to other places. No one wants it. No one wants it. So okay, fuck all y'all. I used it to. I won a competition in a writing contest in, contest in Rochester, New York. I won a sixteen dollar <laughs> Amazon gift card. It was like. Killing a fly with a bazooka. That's almost 20 bucks Canadian. Oh, I know. <laughs> Good for you. Bizarre. So, Good uh, for you. Yeah, but anyway, so no, I, I eventually Llewellyn took it. And, um, but of course, my manuscript was half the length it needed to be because they had a 50,000 word minimal. Right. And I, I'm, I might always picture it as like a 120 page thing you find in a gas station. You know, I dream big, kids. Oh, right. Uh, I've seen, yeah. Usually yeah, there's yeah, yeah. a rack of, of you know, exactly. You yeah, know, yeah there, there's a raccoon in my long johns, and then there's there's also tales of the Northwest Mounted Police exactly. kind of thing. Yeah, they used to have those at the frontier. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so that was sort of what I had in mind. But uh, no, Llewellyn said, no, it has to be 250 pages. Has to, or sorry, yeah, I think it's 250 pages. It has to be 50,000 words. So I, I had to go back and double my book, which was a challenge. Um, but it, it, we got there, and it, it went out. And I did a lot of press, you know, which was uh, like trial by fire. I heard. I heard. I remember hearing it. Like, I, I, I did... Uh, my second ever interview, my first was 90 minutes of live radio on a show called Dark 30. My second interview was four hours of live radio with two hours of that being open mics or um, open lines to, on Midnight in the Desert. I, that's the one I heard. Oh, OK. Yeah. And oh, man. It was good. It was, it was good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It was good. Um, it was, you know, it was a it was a uh, I mean, that's very immersive. Yeah. Experience. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, exactly. Immersion. And it's not like you were in the studio. No, it was all on the phone. Yeah, exactly. So, just so my aunt's cordless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not the easiest thing. No. But but anyways, yeah, so it did press and then um, you know, it just kinda of came and went, right? As books right. do. Uh, and then and you know, it, it's since then I think we've sold about twenty six hundred copies total. Uh, I wanna say twenty two hundred of those physical. Um, few hundred digital you know apparently the needle's starting to swing the other way right you know for a while there everything was going digital now more people are buying physical copies um which is i mean it's wonderful i love that people are buying it regardless but i mean it make more money from the fucking digital copy you know (laughs) okay (laughs) hang on let me just make a note to myself that's right (laughs) you get get 10 percent of physical revenue 25 percent of digital well there you go yeah so every, every time a book sells i make 80 cents yeah big big money hey yeah, yeah, no, it's a 80 cents I didn't have before. You know, I don't mind. 
So you're, uh, not, you're, not, you're not standing with a shovel outside of a Home Depot exactly. looking for day work. Yep. Yeah. I and, mean, I, and I didn't get into this big money. Right. You know, I, I, I did a lot of reading on expect, expectations about revenue and stuff. So, no, I, I, I knew what you You got into this to meet Ian. Apparently. And how I met him was... And we he, should let people know who Ian is. Right, so Ian is Ian Gibbs. He's the author of Victoria's Most Haunted right. uh, and an upcoming book, which he is working on now, and I'm excited to see. But uh, he is my co-host on the podcast, The Ghost Story Guys, which you can find at ghoststoryguys.com and everywhere fine podcasts live. But uh, Ian was, he had finished his book, Victoria's Most Haunted, and he was prepping it for release in April 2017. Now, he worked with a woman, uh, his name I probably shouldn't say, but he worked with a woman who knew my wife. Okay. And so he was telling this woman that he didn't know how he was going to promote this thing. And she knew, of course, that I had written a book the year before, or earlier that year, and she said, well, I know someone who knows someone. I'll see if I can put you guys in the same room. So she got my contact info for my wife, and Ian wrote me an email. And he said, you know, would it be okay to meet up for a coffee sometime? Because uh, I'm kind of curious about promotion. So we met up at uh, the Starbucks in Cook Street Village. And we sat there for... There'll be a plaque one day. One day. One day. Uh, we sat there for th three hours that night. We hit it off like crazy. Three, three and a half hours and just yakking at each other. And then we hung out again a couple nights later for another three, three and a half hours. It was just... But the first night, the first night, we left Starbucks and Ian said, I feel like we're supposed to do something together. And I said, yes, I just don't know what it is. But I think it was the second time we hung out, second or third time, he said, you ever think about doing a podcast? And I thought about it, because I started to listen to more podcasts by that point. But I, you know, who the fuck cares what I have to say? You know, hey, I'm another white guy with an opinion. You know, I mean. Yeah, but you're a white guy with an opinion that's not talking about Marvel movies. <laughs> which I enjoy. Ooh, Far from which, home. which I enjoy, too. Far From Home was too long, though. But I'm just saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice. I mean, podcasts have become now much bigger than just nerd talk, which, right, yeah. uh, which I quite enjoy because, you know, there was a point, there was a saturation with nerd talk. Right. That you can only, you can only do so much nerd talk. And I have friends who do podcasts who do the nerd talk very well. Right. And that was good enough for me. I didn't need to go anywhere else for my nerd talk. Sure, yeah. I had those people to listen to. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, all this I, other stuff. But I guess it's maybe that tall poppy thing again. Yeah. Where I just kind of thought, well, you know, who, who cares what I have to say? Exactly. You know, and um, so I just never really pursued it. But, uh because I'd always been told, you know, and, and this maybe sounds a bit big-headed, but I'd always been told I had a, a, a nice voice, you know, and I'd been told that, uh, and, and especially when I started doing press, people said, you know, if you wanted to make a career of this, I, you could probably do something with this. And I remember Heather Wade actually was the first person to say that after we were doing Midnight. Um, so when Ian suggested that, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I had thought about that. And he came up with the name Ghost Story Guys. He, because uh, his thing was... Barbara Smith is a good friend of his, and of course she's a famous Canadian ghost author. So she's a ghost story lady, Barbara Smith. So Ian said, well, would you mind if I call myself Ghost Story Guy? And she's like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> so, and Barbara's the best. Barbara's awesome. Uh, so no, she didn't care, and he said, what about Ghost Story Guys? And I said, yeah, I like it. So I immediately went on Fiverr, because I said, we're going to do this, we're doing this. Right. Uh, I said, we're going to need a logo, and we have to own it and we need music and we have to own it. And I had a very clear idea in my mind of what I wanted it to be. So I 
I got on Fiverr. I found a person who did logos in a style that I thought would work for us. Right. And I sent him a bunch. Of, I sent. I think it was her part of me, but I sent her a bunch of reference stuff, including these pictures I'd taken. I had no idea why I took these pictures, but back a couple of years before, I'd seen this giant skull mask in a drugstore, like foam skull. Right. And I bought it. I didn't know why I bought it. I just bought it. And then I had this idea of a guy, of the skull guy in a suit standing somewhere. And so I got a tall friend of mine. I, and I, got, I put a jacket on him and a tie and a shirt. And we went out to, uh, not Shawnigan, yeah, Shawnigan Lake, which is sort of north of Victoria, late, late, late one night. And I took a shitload of pictures of him wearing this suit with the skull. And he, he got this idea, he modified the skull a little bit. He blacked out the eyes, he right. made some other modifications, so it was no longer that mask. And I just sat on him. I just, you know, thought, oh, I did that. That's the thing I did. I don't know why I did it. Right. But then when I, when it came time to uh, get the logo ready, I sent those reference pictures to the artist. And that's what she incorporated. So that's where the skull comes from. And so it was like somehow, without even realizing what I was doing, I was laying the groundwork for what would become the Ghost Story Guys. So uh, you got, you got the logo on... Yeah, on your, on your shirt that you're wearing. Yeah. yeah, and this is the neon variant that was designed by Kamloops artist Becky Campbell. Does the skull guy, does he have a name? Has he acquired a name? Uh, no, like not in the lore of... Not yet. Oh, no. okay. It's like, like Skullhead Face. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's actually a song. Yeah, I think it's a Slayer song. Scully. Scully, yeah. yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. No, no name. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that became the logo. And then, as luck would have it, I knew a composer. Right. In Russia, in Moscow. Now, and how this came about is I, I was working for a consulting company. They sent me to a social media workshop because they didn't know what to do with me. Right. I, I ran the front of their back of house. But the way I work, you don't know what I'm doing for you because everything works. You don't know how much work I'm doing because the whole thing works. Right. You know, and so that if, if I'm doing my job well, you don't know that I'm doing my job. And so they would think, oh, Brent's not doing anything. We, you know, we're just paying yeah. them this money. And oh no, I was, I was doing a lot. The company still exists because of me. And, I, and I'm, that's not egotistical, it's true. I saved them about 40 grand a year, and which at a time when that mattered. But uh, anyhow, they sent me to the social media workshop where I learned about this crazy thing called Instagram, which I had kind of dismissed beforehand. Right. And so I started an Instagram account. And at some uh, I sold some of some of my photos which I used to take with an iPhone I don't like an iPhone 3GS and <laughs> kind of ups, upscale using um, Adobe right. I actually got them into a gallery show and so I was so pleased with that I bought myself a uh, like a point and point and shoot camera right uh, Canon PowerShot yeah so uh, G7X so I started shooting with that and I got this message from a guy on Instagram this Russian dude saying, hey, I have just bought the same camera, but I'm having some trouble figuring some stuff out. Can you help me? Not, no. not can you help me? I need your bank account number, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. I am Nigerian prince. <laughs> <laughs> I am Russian count. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, no, I, I mean, my, I, my first thing would be a little suspicious, but. Oh, sure, yeah. And I was, like, I was, I was. But no, he just, he said, like, can you give me a hand with figuring this out. So I'm like, yeah, sure. So I sent him some videos, right? Um, cell phone videos, right. showing him how the settings work because he wanted to get like the, and it is a little obscure how to get, or used to be how to get into like the, the, what do you call it, long exposure. Right, like that. right, right, right. So yeah, I just shot him four or five of these two minute videos showing him how things worked. And we kind of became buddies. 
and so the time and he he produces hip hop music in Moscow. In, wow! And so when the time came to do this theme, I kind of thought, I wonder if he wants to do it. So I asked him. He said, Yeah, sure. Give me an idea of what you want. So I gave him ten songs for reference. Right. And I gave him. A, I wrote a little paragraph about the mood I wanted. And uh, that was it. He came back with the song that everyone knows as the opening. We call it radio. He called it radio. Uh, into the darkness we go, and that became the ghost story, guys. God bless the internet, right? Yeah, man. And and some of the stuff just works, like like into the darkness we go is our sign off, and that yeah. literally just came to me as I was putting together the logo. Just the, yeah. it, that was just oh for Christ's sake. <laughs> okay, this is the third train. Let's see, we've been talking for just about an hour. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll finish up as soon as the train is. See, I, my, my connection, I don't meet that many people on the internet. I, there's a lot of women who, who would like to have a hot date with me that I get. They respond to your, your velvet tone. No, it's, it's, I notice on Instagram, you know, anytime I do an Insta story, right, right, you put it in there, and, uh, you know, people like it, whatever, you see later on, you know, yeah. throughout the 24 hours, how long... How long it's up, people like it. And I go through, and I, I recognize most of the, not a lot of strangers right, come yeah. across it. Because obviously, if they're not following you already, I mean, how are, why are they really followed? I mean, yeah, unless they're running through the explore tab somehow. Yeah, so I, uh, I, I get, I see these names, these female names. Usually, you know, you see the small image of a person, a woman, and then a name, and then there's like a little heart emoji in the name. Right. And I, my brain off immediately just jumps to it. Like to me, it's flagged, and I go and look at it, look at, look at the profile, and there's like maybe two pictures right. in the feed there's uh, or it, it, it'll say like two uh, two postings uh, following zero zero followers right and then it, and then you read the little description and then it says you know, uh, looking for dates and stuff like oh, that yeah, and yeah. it's like like Sorry, I report it. Yeah. I send it off to Instagram. They get back to me. Usually, sometimes it's been five minutes, and then they send me, you know, here's a notice of your of your uh, your request, and they tell me that it's been oh yeah, it's, it's been taken off. Yeah. But I mean, I could get 50, 50 likes on some Insta story, and twenty of those are going to be just total spam. Right. And it's it, now it's like I, I'm. I'm feeling like the Instagram police. It's like I'm I'm going after these people. This is I this is my this is my message. I, I have a very particular set of skills. That's right. And I am going to I'm going to make these these phony people pay, because I know none of these people want to talk to me. Oh god damn it. I have the same fucking train. <laughs> well, like I said, it, it'll be a good bookmark to, the, to yeah. the beginning and the end of this. So how long how long has the Ghost Story guys been now? How um, many episodes? We, uh, I think we just released a week ago today, episode, which is the 27th of August. Yep, episode 65. Okay. We are on a bi-weekly schedule. Right. Uh, so yeah, episode 65, episode 66 comes out a week today. Right. And uh, yeah, and, that's, and we've, we've had a couple bonus episodes. You know, there was a while there. I mean, we still get people who want us to do weekly. 
That's tough. Yeah. That's, that's tough. It's, that's a it, lot it, of your life. It's too much work. I mean, a bi-weekly show is already, I, I've worked it out, it's minimum 20 hours a week. Yeah. For, for me to produce a bi-weekly show, including all the social media responsibilities, all the housekeeping, and, and servicing the Patreon. And, we, and plus, you got to have, you really have to have something to say on a weekly basis if you're going to do that. And it just becomes like, and you run out of things really, you just, like, I, I need to live more of my life. Oh, yeah. To actually be able to have something to say. 100%. And, yeah. and like, yeah, no, I, I like the, the two-week thing. I mean. Yeah, no, two weeks works. But, I mean, if you're a Patreon subscriber, oh, yes. you actually do almost get a, a weekly schedule. Okay. Because you get, every two weeks you get a show for, like, a new show. But then we also have uh, the Luke Lore episodes, yeah. where our researcher, Luke Greensmith, kind of dives into a folklore topic of his choosing. We also have the Cabin Fever episodes, which are the bonus, a patron-only bonus where you, we, Ian and I talk about, because the show used to have a lot more about our lives. Right. What we've been up to, movies we've been watching, food we've been eating. But as, oh, yeah. But as, as it coalesced more, as it oh, kind of... Hang on. Here's the last engine. <laughs> that was really loud. That will be... That will be the last... Hang on, it's just poor needles are spiked. Oh, I bet they are. That will be the last train of this conversation. Yes. But okay. I like your optimism. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, so Patreon, Cap, yeah, Cabin yeah. Fever, yeah. So yeah, we used to there'd be a lot more about our personal lives or like I said, what we've needing, what we've been doing. But the show as we sort of yeah, as, as a format solidified. Creatures of the night basically refer to long-distance truck drivers. Yeah, who are I don't know. Well, that's Jeremy Clarkson uh, oh, from I Top Gear says that. all truck drivers are serial killers. Yes. <laughs> change gear, change gear, murder prostitute, change gear. Yeah, we got in a lot of trouble for that joke. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but anyways, yeah. So no, it just became one of those things where uh, yeah, the, the show solidified. We kind of developed into a story as to a format. And in, in all fairness, it was actually the format Ian first proposed. Ian right. said we should just tell ghost stories. I said, I, that'll never fly. So I had to overly complicate it and, and stress myself out. Imagine trying to pick a new subject, learn everything you can about it, and write a seven to 10,000 word essay about it every 10 days. Yeah. Imagine the hell that is. Yeah. That's what I tried to do the first year. And it didn't, it, I mean, it worked because we're still here, but it wasn't sustainable. And especially after my, like, I, I kind of had a bit of a uh, freak out. Uh, not a freak out, that's too much. But, like, I, I got super nervous about something. Um, I, I don't know if it's worth the story, but. Go ahead, we oh, still got time. Okay. Yeah. So what happened is we did episode 20, I think it was episode 21, When the Other Side is on Your Side. We got this incredible fan, fan letter. Um, I sound like saying fan letter. Listener mail. I don't like saying fans, I like listeners. No, okay, no, that's fine. But uh, we got this incredible listener mail from this woman who, again, whose real name I won't say, but um, she told us how the paranormal had helped her discover that her children were being abused by her stepfather. Wow. And she said, listening to your show kind of helps me work through this. And that was huge. And it, like, it was an incredible compliment. But at the same time, it really made it real for me. And I really became aware of the fact that, holy shit, people are paying attention to this, and it yeah. matters to some people. Yeah. Uh, and 
at the time, you know, I can talk a little bit more about it now, but Ian was going through a divorce. And so he would quite often turn up to the studio very emotional. And so he couldn't riff. He couldn't. Right. So, yeah, he was just spent. Yeah. So there yeah. were times, like, I would say a good portion of the first year, I wrote word for word scripts. I was writing jokes for both of us. It was exhausting. Sure. And so uh, that combined with this newfound sort of awareness of what the show meant to some people psyched me out. And then right after that came, I think thereabouts, came the L.A. episode, which is still my, I, every time someone says, are there any episodes of your show you don't like? The first L.A. episode, I fucking hate it. <laughs> yeah. So after that one-two punch, I was, I was just done. And so that's when we came up with the season break. So after Christmas, we take a month off. Sure. And uh, yeah, so but I can't remember why I went, but why I was talking about that. That's okay. I mean, networks do that. I mean, yeah. I mean, you you have to. I mean, uh, having having done a uh, years ago, having uh, I was when I was at Play TV, I was doing uh, three nights a week, two hours a night. Oh yeah, that, that just that's tough. I mean, yeah. yeah that... Even though back then we could play some music, I w I was still sort of like very raw every night like here I am and this is yep. everything that's going on and here's some bullshit I've created in my head yep. on top of it and and then again here at the radio station when it was once a week and then it became twice a week with only one day in between and it was like and those are two hour shows yeah and back and then it was back to the one day and then it was like okay yeah, yeah. it's just you you need you you need time to a little hiatus Oh, yeah. Basically. And, and I mean, now that we have patrons, we can't actually not release a show for a month. Right. But what we what we did last year is someone sent us a piece of physical mail. Right. Uh, which was fantastic. And it was, uh, she was, a, had been a hospice nurse for, for me, a hospice nurse for 30 years. And so she just sent all her stories. And so for our 30, our, our um, hiatus episode, yeah. which we pre-recorded, we just read that. Yeah. And, and we talked about it and it was great, you know, and I think we're going to do that again this year. We'll find, I mean, we haven't had that physical piece of mail, but um, we'll come up with like a sort of a softball in between topic and just go from there and use that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, you got to, especially this year, I mean, I've been, this year's been up and down financially. Now I'm working, but I'm also doing the week, the radio show every week. And I'm helping this guy from Philadelphia produce his podcast and I'm helping, I say, you know, the Luke doing the Luke lore. Yep, so yep. I, I'm, my like my workload has increased considerably. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and eventually there, you know, the Patreon is going to enable me to make my workload easier. Sure. But in the meantime, yeah, you know. Um, so it's going well though. You guys oh, are shit, yeah. both happy with it. You, we're having tons of fun. You know, it, it's go. You got all the swag. All the swag. Yeah, we selling. Yeah, we got. You the, guys have a lot of swag. We do. Yeah. yeah I mean, for, yeah. There's like, yeah. I mean, there seems to be a ghost story, guys. Everything. There, yeah, someone bought a clock. <laughs> someone bought a clock. You know when you you know you'll know when you really made it is like five years from now, you'll be like in a value village. And you find it. And you find, you'll find, hey, look, it's a ghost story, guys, clock. You know, and my house will be covered in them. I will wear it around my neck like flavor flame. <laughs> that would be, that would be really interesting. That could be like a, a special Patreon edition. <laughs> yeah, a little, little video stuff thrown in there oh, man. as well. People, we get people asking us all, the, I shouldn't say all the time, but enough saying, oh, you guys should do a video version of the show. No, no, that's not a good idea. I mean, in a way, it's flattering because it, people hearing the show yeah. don't understand all the edits, which right. is good. Yes. Because that means I'm doing my job. 
But no, the, the show, the recording for a show can go anywhere from 90 minutes to two and a half hours to three hours, depending on the length of the show. There's so much shit that we have to cut out. I mean, eventually, I want to start hiring someone to do the editing, yeah. in which case we're really going to have to tighten up the stuff that we include because, you know, they charge you for by the hour. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, the, the video thing, we, we tried a little bit, um, but neither of us are comfortable on screen. Ha having done video intensely, again, through Play TV, because yeah. that was all, those were video shows. Right. Uh, they started as audio, and then they said, you have to do video. Uh. And I said, well, why? It's like a radio show. And they said, well, yeah, but we have video equipment. That's part of what we do. That's, right. And you have to use it. And it was like, oh, yeah, okay. I guess I'll use it. And so, yeah, having to sit there in a room and basically you know, see myself in a monitor for Ooh, two yeah. hours as I spoke. I, it's just, it's, it, no. I'd rather just, you know, I'm, I'm a voice radio guy. That's oh, yeah. audio is, is it. And like I said, how you, you can get people listening to you on their commute a exactly. lot easier yep. than if they have to sit in front of a screen. And, and, yep. and or, like, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I know. We, um, We've been approached by a couple TV producers about being involved in certain things, and we've always declined. I mean, if someone said, hey, we're going to give you a TV show, then, oh, yeah. well, maybe, let's talk. That's you right. You're going to pay me for it, you know. <laughs> That's right. Because I care about getting paid. I don't give a shit about being famous. No, I mean, I mean, if they can if they can make Canadian pickers, yeah, they, they, can, they can make Ghost Story guys yeah. some sort of... And, you know, they would, uh, it would come to you weekly from uh, 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 Ghost Story Guys headquarters, and it would have, like, the Jacob's Ladders. Yeah, exactly. And, like, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Some sort of, you know, faux brick on the background. Yeah. Kind of, or, you fake know. cabin, like, fake wood grain stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. right. But, no, the Ian in a smoking jacket and an ascot. <laughs> yeah. A cigarette holder. Yeah. We, we've got, like, the, the Ghost Story Guys mobile. That's right. It's my car with a bunch of shit on it yeah but uh yeah so we, we've been approached about stuff but i i don't think i think it's just because it, a lot of people want to be on television yeah and they'll put a lot of work in for the chance to be on television yeah and so these shows weren't about us they were looking for stories and the carrot they would dangle for you to give them stories and for you to give them access sure. is, well, you could maybe be on the television. You could maybe be on. Yeah, and, yeah. and I don't care enough. Again, that's not, I'm, I'm not interested in that. So, we, you know, they were super polite. And, you know, we just we politely declined. I will say there was one time. Oh, God. <laughs> I was, so we had, on the show, there have been times, especially when we were first starting out, where we would talk about a, a certain travel channel host. And his program. I'm not going to say that okay. because I, okay. I don't. We, sure. and, but we decided eventually. You know what? Trash talking someone it just shows how small you are, and so we stopped. Sure. We just, okay. Well, you could pretend to say the guy's name, like you could say something, and then I'll just add a, a big long beep here, and I'll go. Oh, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I know who you mean. Yeah, his name is. <laughs> but. Yeah, and, and uh, so we stopped. Cause, right. and, and funny enough, we just got a negative, or not a negative, but like a, a negative-ish review on iTunes saying, why do they go to bag on this guy so much? And clearly they're listening from the beginning. All right. Because after episode 29, you when, just cut it out. We cut it. I, yeah. I mean, this guy, he has a, a like he has sort of a, an attraction that he, that he opened. And I went and I was actually impressed by him. I, I thought, 
Yeah. No, this this thing works. I mean, yeah. I've since heard that the, the experience is not as good as it was then. But when I went, no, I spent 50 bucks and I felt like I got my 50 bucks worth. So, but yeah, Ian and I thought, nah, there's no good comes from this. Shitting on other people. It, it's just, it, show, it's, it's a, it shows a poor character. So we stopped. Well, then I get an email from this producer uh, looking for a place who, who says she's part of a popular show. They're looking for new locations um, centered around a particular theme. And they heard about my book and they wondered if maybe there was somewhere in Rebels that would be a good fit. So I, I gave her a call, very nice lady. Um, and we had a nice conversation. And really there was nothing here that fit what they were going for. Um, but I, I knew an author uh, I knew uh, who, had, who had a story in Los Angeles that I think probably could fit. And there's like a location that I think would specifically fit. So I connected her to him and uh, she's very grateful. And she said, well, let, you know, let me promote your show for you. Well, the thing is, she had told me what show she worked for. Yeah. It was that show. Oh, okay. And I, I said, and I said, I would love that. And I gave her, sent her all the, she said, well, email me all the information. I'll pop it across my social media. So I did. But I said, look, you need to know that when we first started the show, we would rip on this person in this show. I said, I don't think we were ever unfair. You know, we were, we were sort of clear in what we found objectionable. But at the same, and, and we stopped. Right. But at the same time, I don't want you to promote this and then find out I didn't tell you that we've been crapping on this Fair product enough. that you made. Fair enough. And she said, no. She said, you know what? I'm all about transparency. I really appreciate that. I don't care. I'm still going to push you. And she did. So that was probably the, most, the, the, the best interaction I had with a producer. Um, the other ones were just kind of like, hey, we want you to do a whole bunch of work for very little return, but you get to be on maybe, maybe be on television. And again, neither of us care that much about it. Ian has actually been involved with several pilots on right. that subject. So he's very aware of, of how low the return ratio is for television stuff. So um, yeah, it's not something either of us are into. And consequently, the video thing is just not, I mean, maybe cool. down the road. But the problem is I'm, I'm so fucking picky sure. about how things look. Yeah. I can't half-ass it. So if I'm going to do video, it's got to be good. And then that's more work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. we do, for $10 patrons and up, we do a, a monthly video live show uh, that we record in my spare room. And, <laughs> and we, don't, we make no bones about it. Like, this is my spare room. You know, this is, this is it. Here's my cat. My cat is here. <laughs> but, uh, and... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm... Uh, I think you're doing it all the right way. Well, I mean, everything, everything that I've seen is just, you know, I think that that's what it, it needs to be. I mean, you, you speak to, uh, to a group of people who want to hear what you're saying. Uh, you get new ones showing up. Yep. And, and you're very, I, I see you're very, uh, you're very courteous to them online. And I mean, the people, because oh, yeah. I mean, they, they make the effort to listen. That's it. So I, I'll never understand shows who take their listeners for granted. Yeah. You know, and, and like I recognize, you and I were talking about this recently, how we've reached a point and already, and we're, we're a small show. Like, I, I think we, you know, we, we average about, 7,500 downloads per show right now. Right. So we're a tiny show, you know. But even so, the amount of correspondence is substantial. Good. And, oh, it's great. It's great. We love it. But, you know, up until this point, we've always responded to everyone. And we've quickly reached a point now where we can't reasonably do that. We, we just can't respond to 45, 50 emails. Interns. Personally. 
Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you find somebody who's, uh, you, you find uh, uh, somebody at the university who's doing some sort of uh, 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 broadcast degree and they need some sort of... Uh, uh, Oh, that's not a bad idea. Intern uh, sort of hours, and uh, you you do it that way with them, and then you uh, then you sort of uh, write the piece of paper for their. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's that's just not a bad idea. I mean, the the, the the issue we've always faced is finding someone we trust enough. Yeah. To sort of uh, have unfettered access to our correspondence. Yeah, you know, exactly. Because it's been. Um... Have a good night. Thanks, you too. Yeah. They don't put away the tables around? I don't know. They used to put away the tables. <laughs> Maybe right. they don't do it. I kind of expected that to be like the uh, uh, sort of the end of the show. Is like yeah, get uh, the fuck out. You know, they flash the lights a couple times. Semi <laughs> <laughs> Sonic's closing time starts playing. I, I did notice less customers showing up. So yeah. it is uh, it it's is ten, uh, 10 o'clock. That's when they close. We've been speaking for an hour and 12 minutes. 12 minutes of that probably trains. I, if minimum 12 minutes. Of that 12 train. minutes of trains. There's but, been the the quiet lull of uh, semi-trucks idling in the background yes as they as they wander in the night their make, hunting grounds make their way on to new destinations <laughs> um, well this has been an interesting experience yes uh, this is the first time I have uh, recorded with these little lavalier mics I'm really curious to hear the sound yeah me like, too because uh, we use labs now for the live show yeah we use the iRig labs oh yeah I have that too and, and they're okay you know yeah. like they're not they're not bad I think yeah. we're but yeah I'm curious these are obviously zoom is a better quality so yeah I, we could have gone for a walk wearing these but then that would have been like a lot of energy I breathe heavy enough on the, the recordings as it is and we had coffee too so yeah, uh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, this has been uh, Brennan Stewart, thanks for Brennan. Thank right. you for having me. The big, big handshake across the, always a, the always table. Always a pleasure. And you know, whenever you're in Revelstoke. Oh yeah, that's a given. Whenever yeah. you're on, the, whenever you're in Victoria. And there you go, just a couple of guys closing down a Starbucks on a late summer evening. Thank you very much, Brennan. Uh, well, I don't know if we will continue this as an experiment. The outside was a little noisy. Maybe maybe we'll try an inside conversation next time. Away from the trains and the traffic. It was, uh, it was a fine conversation. It just, the microphones were much more, much more excellent than I expected them to be. And they just picked up everything. A lot of... Uh, a lot of post-processing in that conversation just so you could hear us. And then, of course, the trains come along and it was just a mess no matter what. But we'll try it again. And until next time, I'll say take care of yourselves. We'll see you a little further on down the road. This has been Rebels Dog Jim's Canadian content. We'll keep trying it. Take care. <laughs>